It's time to pump you up, ladies and gents. For this is the perfect playlist. This is our episode that's all about songs and motivation, songs to get you hyped. Yeah. If we can't get to the gym or even try, at least we can make a playlist that sounds like a gym. Are you ready to get pumped, JD? I love the opening line of like a 40-year-old reference to this audience. That was that was pretty funny. Well, I, I got a kick out of we that. We do a lot of nostalgia here on the podcast. So Been a pe- while since I thought about Hans and Franz. Let's people he, people who are like 36 and older maybe Ish. would get that reference. Ooh. Maybe not, but hey, are you ready to get pumped? I'm I'm psyched. Pumped, I pumped up or off or whatever. Yes, I'm ready. The idea for the show came from our friend Jenna, a.k.a. Vin Beasel. She said, why don't you do songs that, are, you know, get you going, really get you started, create a good playlist for that. And I think everyone has a playlist like this in their Spotify, in their Apple Music, etc. Everyone has a go-to playlist with numerous songs to get them motivated to do different things. Absolutely, JD. And uh, Jenna, big shout out to you for giving us the idea. We want more of these ideas, so come at us with them. This is really the first episode of the show where we kind of pulled back the velvet rope and asked our listeners for their song selections, right, JD? So I'm yes. really excited to get into that because a couple of these are going to be our selections. But for the most part, these are selections of people who, um, you know, listen to the show, enjoy the show, or we bugged relentlessly to give us feedback, and then they finally, <laughs> you know, kind of succumb to it. But, um, but yeah, know. before we jump right into it, though, I want to talk about what I've been doing lately musically. I've been just absorbing all of these music documentaries that are out there. The Woodstock 99, Summer of Soul, McCartney 321. I've just been going wild on these music docs. Have you seen any of those yet? No, not yet. Can oh, you, can you recommend to. any that I, that I won't watch <laughs> <laughs> or watch in five years? I highly recommend to you, I highly recommend uh, McCartney's 321. Yeah. It's Rick Rubin and Paul McCartney. I saw the, the trailer for that. It looks cool. It's really great because they have like the studio remastered tracks on this board where they'll just pull up the strings in Eleanor Rigby and pull them down as it's playing real time. Oh, that's neat. So they'll pull up whatever, and McCartney just tells you things that he's never said to anyone before. Ooh, I like that. In no other book you've ever read. So, so, so what is that, Netflix, HBO? That is Hulu. Hulu? Okay, got it. That's Hulu. Summer Souls on Hulu. HBO Max has uh, Woodstock 99. So there's so much good stuff out there now. An Oasis documentary coming out in September, too, in the theaters. I heard there's a lot of good Oasis documentaries out there. (laughs) Even for Oasis fans such as myself. (laughs) Yeah, watch Supersonic, you dope. (laughs) Speaking of of music and how it enriches our lives, JD, we have done a parent podcast together called A Parent Chaos. It's still out there on Apple and Spotify if you want to listen. And where we talked about kind of our dad journeys and, and how we really kind of poison our kids. <laughs> with, you know, but also like how we try to get our kids interested in what we're interested in. So the other day I had an awkward moment in the car. Mm-hmm. I was driving my 12-year-old son, Antonio, and, uh, and his buddy to basketball camp. It was very quiet. And they're at that age where like it's awkward, you know, like they don't know how to like start a conversation when it's one-on-one. So we're sitting there silent in the car for like 10 excruciating minutes. That's pain. That is pain. And his buddy's like a really jovial, like a kid, like, you know, the kind of the kid who seems like he's like a mayoral type of kid. Mm -hmm. But in the morning he's, he's a little quiet, you know, he hasn't really woken up yet. So the song, the the George Michael song, Freedom came on the 1990 Freedom Freedom 90. Freedom 90. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'm going to jump into a story, a little knowledge nugget here about how, hey, like this is a unique situation saying, hey, boys, did you know that this, <laughs> this 
that George Michael is probably the only artist in music history to have a hit single on the charts where he took the same title and had two hit singles out of it right. because he had freedom with uh, two with different Wham. songs with the same title. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't say a word. <laughs> I'm sure they were psyched. Yeah. They didn't say a fucking word. So I, I'm like, you know, that's pretty unique. You know, George Michael was really <laughs> trailblazing talent. I like, I went on and on and on and I finally stopped. Neither of them said anything. And I looked to my son and I'm like, you know, you could have helped me out here and said something, you know, he's like, I heard you. I heard you. It was enough. That's cold. Cold it was, blooded. It was cold. It was cold blooded. But I tried. You know, I was trying to give him a little, you know, pop up video here, on a two on a Tuesday morning, and it just yeah. wasn't working. Hey, kids aren't down with the wham facts these days, I guess. But it is an interesting fact. Like, how often does that happen? That you have an artist release two songs by the same damn name. Mm. That's weird. Cindy Lauper did that with Girls Just Want to Have Fun. She released another one in the nineties. She did. It's the same song, but she... Uh, well, that's a little different. Down-tempoed like, it. That's yeah. like Candle in the Wind with uh, oh, that one, John. God. God. Goodbye, yeah, England's Rose. Rose. Yeah. Come on, dude. Write a new damn song. Diana doesn't get her own song. That's some bullshit. Recharting bullshit. You're British, for God's sake. <laughs> and you wrote a freaking song for an American woman and then, re- and then you know recycled it for a British woman. British royalty, for God's sake. Anyway, screw you, Elton John. You're not in the playlist today. No. This is a playlist about songs that pump you up, songs that do it for you. And as we're going to hear on the podcast, J.D., one last note about this is you're going to hear that not all songs of motivation are created the same. Right. Different types of songs, whether it's like rap, rock, whatever, um, will do it for you for different reasons. And we're going to have some little commentary from different people who sent us some voice notes. We're going to have some different voices other than yours and mine. People can celebrate that. Amen. Yeah. So the first selection we have here on the podcast is from my buddy Ferris, who has been a a loyal listener from back when we were doing our other podcasts. Listen to every single episode, gives feedback. We absolutely love that. So love that we can incorporate his song, his selection onto today's podcast. We're going to start it with him. A perfect playlist, gang. What's happening? It's Ferris. Uh, So theme of the week, songs that pump you up. First thing that comes to mind for me. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Good vibrations. Don't matter what I'm doing, man. Mopping floors, lying down in bed. I hear that song, I get up and start dancing. And if I'm driving, forget about it. I'm swerving in and out of traffic so fast. Mm. All right, let me not continue. But yes, that's my song. And I don't know any other song that has that kind of effect. Here you yeah, come. Here come comes Marky Mark. Let's come back in on this. So this is released in 91, which was like dead smack in the center of like the corny white guy rap era. And <laughs> this song actually, I didn't realize this, J.D. I told you earlier that this song features kind of like a, I'm not sure if it's a direct sample of um, Lolita Holloway, who is this singer right here, which is really what drives this song. Yes. Right? It's the hook. It's the hook. And it's from a track, Love Sensation. By Lolita Holly, who you're hearing right now, written by Dan Hartman from I Dream, I Can Dream About You fame. And in really, so that the whole hook of the song was taken from another song. Didn't know that. Easy there, Wikipenis. 
let me. Is that a new thing? I never. You know. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm just. I'm just kidding. You just backed up the the fact truck on it. But th- this to to feel it out. This song is so '90s. It hurts for me. This it, yeah. This video too. The black oh, the vi- and white. Oh, God, the video. Yeah. The, vi- the video is very very 1990s. Yeah. Early '90s. Yeah. And you got Marky Mark. Basically, I think John Cena totally copped Marky Mark's look from of this video. The hat, the jeans, shorts, the jorts. Yeah, the, the backwards hat. And the old lifting the lifting the cinder blocks as like weights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, what a Marky, move. Marky Mark himself said, this is designed, this song's designed to make your behind move. Okay. But for someone who is regarded as a bad boy, it kind of sounds like a quote from like a librarian or a nun. I don't know. <laughs> Feels a little weird, but you know, Ferris, I know what you're. I know what you're saying. We feel you, Ferris. I absolutely feel you, especially as we're laughing about some of the production in the song and the video and everything like that. I'm not gonna lie, this song does it for me too, especially this chorus. I mean, she nails it. And can you feel it, baby? I can. I can feel it. I can too. He does like the whole like. Black scent with a little Boston twist. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, from working out with Cinderblocks, now he's doing a movie with a talking teddy bear. Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg, the actor Mark Wahlberg, his brother Donnie, Donnie Wahlberg, famous member of New Kids on the Block. And a fun fact about Donnie and Mark, they were the first two members originally recruited into New Kids on the Block. Don't know if you knew that, Dee. Did not know that, no. But when they, you know, the producer who formed the group wanted them to, to focus on ballads instead of rap, uh, Marky Mark, who, or Mark Wahlberg, who wasn't Mark a singer. Mark was a guy in about that. No. No. I'm, I'm doing rap or nothing. He quit right there. He quit right there on the spot. And, and he then, became a successful actor for like like a couple of years. He did, but before that, he dropped out of school and was all involved in like shoplifting and street fights and gangs and stuff like that. Was he basically like Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting? Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. And so he, you know, went on obviously then to, to acting, left right into that. And I think it's kind of funny that, you know, this song right here has a very anti strong drug message. He mentions not being a junkie and whatnot in it. Well, see, I never listen to the words except for the chorus. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, I want to see sweat coming out your pores is the only other line I know in this I song. I did a lot of work on good vibrations for this, Deep Bro. But it's kind of funny that he rose to fame playing a coke-snorting, well-endowed porn star named Dirk Diggler. <laughs> Despite <laughs> this song's message. I like this end, by the way. Yep. You know? Done. Out. I like that. I mean, like, I feel like some of that was missing from like the rest of the song. <laughs> I like the rest of the song, but I feel like you could have infused more it piano with some work. other, yeah, some more piano work. Yeah. But supposedly Mark Wahlberg gets upset if you mention Marky Mark or the Funky Bunch. Oh, get out of here. I swear Stop to God. It. That's what I, that's what I read. Yeah. We need to accept, I mean, I, I, I guess, you know, we're different, right? We're not celebrities who get interviewed all the time, but. Not all the time, but quite often, yes. Yeah, but I mean, it's like, that's a that's something you intentionally did that you wanted the public to know about. It's not like people bringing it up to Paul Rubens the time he jacked off in a movie theater. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is different. This is part of your like you decidedly said I'm going to release this song to the public. It's going to be a big hit. It's going to make me a lot of money. And now you're going to tell me you don't want to talk about it. Fuck you, Marky Mark. You see word, Marky Mark. Right. That's what I'm going to call you, not Mr. Wahlberg or whatever you want me to call you. The Funky Bunch. 
So the next song on our countdown comes to us from my cousin Greg, right? And my cousin Greg, like sweetheart, like a few years younger than me, he was the kid who like was always in my house, like sleepover. He was my sleepover partner, right? But was always like, you know, hat on backwards, like big starter jacket, like kind of presented as- Sounds like, like Marky know, Mark? Like, like, a little bit, yeah. Maybe that was his inspiration. But <laughs> He this, felt the vibration. This is the, t- <laughs> yeah, we all do. So this is the the text that I get from him when I ask for songs of motivation. He writes, Blackened by Metallica, I'm Not Ready to Die by Avenged Sevenfold, almost any track off the DMX album, It's Dark and Hell is Hot. All right. But. Where my dog's at? And my friends relentlessly make fun of me for this. This song, this is a song that really does it for me. All right, Greg. Cousin Greg. Final countdown by Europe and probably does it for a lot of people. I, I think I'd get along with Greg and, and hang out with him and have fun. If he likes Metallica DMX, but can also listen to this, he can. I fuck with that too. You'd have a fucking blast with Greg, yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> we got to get together. But I mean, I love this because, you know, as I said, you know, Greg presented as, you know, you know, kind of more of an urban look and everything like that, like into hardcore rap, into like the freaking indie rap scene in Philadelphia. Okay. But he's also honest mm. and everybody when it when they break it down is into this type of music they you, are you can't deny it They're, you're gonna find a song like this on everybody's on every badass's playlist this is in every arena during like halftime or something or before a kickoff before anything it's you, really you know yeah exactly it's really for sex a song that's before sex <laughs> in this house it's a song that's before you like, and i kiss <laughs> well we don't really wait for music right or but, we don't just kiss we go right to second base <laughs> it, or that yeah <laughs> second base such homoeroticism on the show we're cool um which is fine um but you know you can try to resist the synth that's being cascaded over you like a waterfall in this song oh but yeah sooner or later you fall under the spell of this magnetic masterpiece. And JD, as you said, it's a song that gets played before a lot of climactic moments, you know, waiting for that climactic moment to happen. And I've had this sent to me like before, like my bachelor party, but the day before my wedding, my brother-in-law Mike sent it to me. I I won't forget that. So it's just something that signifies something big is about to happen. And, um, but, but the lyrics are so fucking stupid. Like that's that's my Pretty only problem stupid. with the song. Like it's literally like it's li- literally a song about like rocket like orbiting into space. Yeah, and this song's lyrics, the singer said that they were inspired by David Bowie's Space Oddity. So if you ever heard that, it's about sure. a guy, you know, lifting off and really a tragic uh whatever, a tragic meeting a tragic end in space. It's those moments right before the tragic end. But this is <laughs> About going off to Venus from from Earth, and it's both apocalyptic and optimistic, actually, if you think about it, because you know they're leaving Earth behind, and Earth is troubled, but they're excited about what's on the other side. So, strange European take on space travel. We get to be selective in like what we li- really choose to listen to. Like, I choose yeah. not to like sing the lyrics. No, I ignore the lyrics in the verse. And then the chorus in this part, like, I really, I get down to, right? You're all in. But, you know, hey, it's something that gets you excited about a moment, whether it be a wedding, a bachelor party, a big trip, a Jamie Walters concert, you name it. <laughs> Whatever you're doing that's going to that's it's gonna be a, a great moment for you, this is going to be the song that's going to that's gonna get you excited. But, oh, here, it's great guitar solo here. 
1986, this very much was welcome. For sure it was, yeah. This type of guitar shredding on on a song like this. And so the band here called Europe, right? And so I went to YouTube. I like to scroll comments on bands like this just to see what people are saying, you know? Some two quotes I thought were amazing was one that Europe is so legendary, they named a continent after them. (laughs) (laughs) Another good one to your point and Ferris is to Greg's point, how this kind of gets you going. Battery before this song, 5%. Battery after this song, 100%. I love that. So this song can charge your phone. Absolutely. Without you even knowing it. This song gives you juice. Right to the moon. But I, I like some little things in this song, like the, the bass line. I kind of enjoy it's just the driving of it all. Like you said, the guitar solo. Like there's there's things here over this course of five minutes, this corny-ass journey into space, yeah. if you're picking this song apart. But I don't think you should pick this, part, this song apart. Like Much like Greg, I think you should really listen to this song before you do something big any moment in your life. Yeah, Enjoy. you're going to hear more of that on this on this playlist too. Yeah, there's a lot of corniness, but it doesn't even matter. It's whatever works for you, because yeah, you're going to be listening to this in moments of solitude, usually, right? Before a big moment. So, what's going to get you excited about what you're going to do? Yeah, you know. And if you got to be honest with yourself, if it's not a rap song or a metal song, it's it's, it's the fucking, final count. It's a fucking corny piece of shit, but also a great <laughs> song. You know, I think we can all agree that it's all of those things in one. It's this Euro trash. <laughs> Our boy Kanye, he's back on the perfect playlist. Deepro, who submitted this one? Our boy Brandon. Yeah, Brandon submitted yeah. this one. Yes. Host of Nice Boy News. So yes. if you want to check that out, I believe it's on YouTube, right? I don't know. It might Fuck be. if I know, but yes. <laughs> it probably is, yeah. But Brandon sent this. It's that sweet, sweet mix of Daft Punk beats and Kanye swagger. I absolutely cannot resist flailing my limbs when it comes on. Much to the chagrin of every wedding guest in attendance. (laughs) That's pretty funny because I played this song. I requested this song at my own wedding at which you were at, D-Pro, and Brandon was at just because I knew this song would make Brandon go like a... um, you know, one of those big uh, air flow bots kind of thing. Those air. Oh, those the things out like the things car dealerships. Car dealerships. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I knew he was going to move and just get into it. So I, uh, I, I'd love to honor Brandon at my wedding with this song and, and have him have fun. At the I wedding. love how like at, <laughs> at your own wedding, you're thinking about how, how other people can enjoy themselves and get down. Oh, yeah. It's very I, uh, fortuitous. I thought of that a little bit. But yeah, to your point though, Nice Boy News, Brandon does a very cool thing called Nice Boy News. Check that out. Try Googling it. I'm not sure. He didn't tell us where to find that, but uh, he does an excellent job reporting on the positive news around him and his world and his friends. So yeah, you got to dig that. We need more good news in our lives. But yes, to Brandon's point though, according to Gold's Gym, right? The fitness chain Gold's Gym. This is the best song to work out to. In 2011, they did a nationwide poll of its customers and this song beat out the Rocky theme song as the number one song for sweating it out into in a gym. It makes sense. It's yeah. got a good beat. It keeps you going. This, the name is literally stronger yes. of the song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and as Brandon mentioned, you know, this does borrow from Daft Punk's uh, Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. Yep. Good sample. Um, Daft Punk also, also um, produced 
Kanye's full album, Yeezus, which is my favorite Kanye album from like 2011, I think. So it's interesting to pair those two together and right here, make some good music, this song. It is, man. I dig it. I'm not a big Kanye fan, as I've mentioned before in the pod, but you know what? When you take, as I say, with almost any artist, you can take like three or four tracks and say, I get it. Like, this is one of them. Yeah, this is. And and so much so, I mean, this is a nine-time platinum hit. The song is platinum nine times over. Uh, monstrous hit for Kanye. Kanye on this song, and I'm about to go into to current day Kanye, what's going on with him. Do we have to? Man? Through this song. <laughs> Dangerous, yeah. <laughs> He worked with eight engineers around the world to finish this song, recording 50 different versions before he felt like he got what he wanted here. I mean, I don't know if that's isn't that just, insane. I don't know if that's crazy or just like due diligence, you know? It's probably cra- probably a little closer to crazy, but it had a good result, so it can't be that crazy. Eight engineers, 50 different versions of this track. That sounds insane to me. That's like Guns N' Roses Chinese democracy level insanity. And speaking of which, he's Kanye is currently living in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium to release his new album, Donda, which will be... Uh, he had two listening parties, and those were supposedly release dates in August. That Those didn't happen. The, re, the listening parties did, but the actual release to services and stores did not. So he's living in the actual football stadium at the moment. Literally. In one of those like cement, you know, so you're, you're not just saying like he's there for like this listening party or whatever. Yep. You're saying like that he's he like, full leave. on like living his life. Oh yeah, in in the arena, like pissing and shitting in the place and yep. eating there. Yep, it How almost is it even possible. Like, it almost looks like solitary confinement when he does like selfies of the room. It's just this little thing, a mattress on the floor, and he flew in all of his producers and whatnot to help him finish the forthcoming album Donda, and so he's like been pictured almost as like the phantom of the opera <laughs> in the stadium like the mls team will play in there atlanta falcons have he's like their, in the rafters and he's up there just he'll just be up there in this big puffy coat or something standing there <laughs> creepy ass kanye they should do Haunting that with, they should do that with more celebrities though you think so yeah just bring celebrities to hang out in the rafters <laughs> it'll bring more people to you know like hey i'm not into soccer but I am into like creepy rap stars hanging yeah, out in the rafters. Right. A couple levels above me looking down like a fucking wackadoo. But, but I mean, that's good that's for him. He, he gets free tickets to every show that's happening in the freaking Atlanta Superdome, whatever they call it. He does. But yeah, just Google that. It's it's insane. He he is taking this release very seriously, obviously, and is in like crunch time. But um, supposedly he's living in this stadium and, and, and taking selfies from there. It looks insane. The line I get a kick out of in this song is the OJ has, since OJ has isotoners, um, and that's him referring to the 96 OJ Simpson murder trial where Johnny Cochran put the the gloves that were found at the scene of the murder onto OJ Simpson and they didn't fit. He said the gloves, if the gloves don't fit, you must have quit. So he's talking about he's been real and stronger. Since OJ wore isotoners, isotoners were they line. actually isotoners in the case or no? Yes, just, they were. Yes, so those are comfortable gloves. Yeah, <laughs> and socks too. I might add, and a you know a preview of of his relationship with Kim Kardashian, whom he later married. Robert Kardashian, her father, was an attorney on the case as well. So there's all sorts of stitching going on between all these different layers of the story. Sliding JB. doors, as you like to say. So I want to thank um, our buddy Brandon of Nice Boy News. We still have not been on Nice Boy News. I think yeah. having a music podcast might qualify. Yeah, that might. So our next entry comes to us from 
an individual who is actually uh, one of the lead singers of the band who does our theme song, who does our intro and outro music, My Black Ring by uh, The Fuzz, right? Chris Ricci. So he comes to us with a song that if you were a fan of movies in the 80s, this is going to be very, very familiar to you. Uh, This is Synthesizers on Steroids, and here is Chris teeing up his selection. Yo, what's up, guys? This is Chris. The first one that came to mind was Hearts on Fire from Rocky IV. So anybody who's familiar with the Rocky movies knows, like, Eye of the Tiger and Burning Hearts and all that other stuff. But uh, And those are by Survivor. Uh, so naturally, I thought that Hearts on Fire was also by Survivor, but it's not. It's actually by John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, which was a great name, by the way, the Beaver Brown Band. For obvious reasons and it was written by a guy called Vince DiCola uh, whose occasional writing partner was Frank Stallone who is the obviously the brother of Sylvester Stallone so yeah Hearts on Fire is like one of those cheesy sort of 80s anthems I think it was written in 85 or 86 or something for the Rocky IV movie most of the recordings you can find of it um, it's such a pump-up song that you hear Stallone in the background as Rocky during his training montage you hear the (laughs) and all that and it's awesome it's awesome and I can't I can't listen to that song without getting pumped up and I also can't listen to that song without like turning it up very loud but but that song you know gets the juices flowing and uh, makes me want to win the uh, heavyweight boxing title from a Goliath named Ivan Drago. But anyway, uh, that's my choice. Hearts on Fire by John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band. Thanks a lot, guys. Love you. Later. All right. Thank you, Richie. Sorry to wake you up and have you record that with us. <laughs> <laughs> it was late in the night when I asked him to do it. Okay. So. Okay. Okay. But man, these synthesizers are loud, man. I gotta tell you, I've, I don't know that I've ever heard this song before, much to the chagrin of, no? of Chris, probably. You never saw Rocky IV? No, no. Oh, I, I saw, wow. I literally, like, I, I've seen like one and probably two when I was a kid. But okay. I don't remember. I probably should go back one day. There's a lot of movies on my deathbed I'll have to watch. This will be one of them. <laughs> but like, the chorus sounds like a, this sounds like a theme song to like a Stephen Bochco sitcom from 1986. Would you call this a power ballad in some way? Um, I just based on the verbiage and I, stuff. It's, it's a little too fast pace to be yeah. a power ballad. It's but not, sure, it's I, not wouldn't for argue, me. I wouldn't argue with you. I was kind of leading the witness there. It, it's not for me, but it, it kind of has some feels there. It, it's yeah, almost yeah. like a a love on the whatever on the rocks kind of song, you know. Just yeah. I mean, I don't. Does it like d- does it like declare like love for a woman or anything like that? It's really just for a, like it, it's 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 like you're in the moment and you you know try to do something great. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. It's, it's more broad than that. But, I mean, Chris is, like, the singer for this band we talked about. And if you hear the song in our intro and outro, like, yes. they, were, they were a hard rock band. They are. And so back to my cousin Greg, like, you, you might be surprised to find out that, like, a singer in this, like, hard, heavy, like, rock band is also into, like, cheesy shit like this. But it's great. I, that's what I love about music. <laughs> and, and if I can make an admission here. So I edit the podcast. Um, but when I edit the outro song... It usually his his wife vocal his wife sings in the band as well. Her vocal will come in, 
And then almost every single time, like clockwork, when I need to fade down, it's when his vocal is about to come in. And Chris is our buddy, so I laugh every my time. My black I hear ring. It. Yeah. I laugh every time I hear it. <laughs> it's like she stops and then he's supposed to start. And then by that time, I'm already faded out on the outro. So sorry, Chris. Nothing personal. Just timing. It's just timing. Um, but nonetheless, this song is by John Cafferty. Uh, solo on this one. But the Beaver Brown Band, you uh, might know John Cafferty in the Beaver Brown Band, also from the Eddie and the Cruisers movie from 1983. They did that uh, on the Dark Side song. On the Dark Side. No, I, I don't know that song. Oh, yeah. Keep singing it, though. This is on great. On the Dark Side. That was a fucking hit, dude. You gotta was work it? With me. It does not sound like one. I work with here. The music guy next to me he doesn't watch music documentaries, doesn't listen to music. I don't know. How am I doing? Dark a side by the fucking Beaver Brown Band or whatever that list is. <laughs> this is what I'm being chastised for. <laughs> so jokes, music fan you are. Jokes aside, um, Cafferty does get ripped though for being one of those Bruce Springsteen wannabes, like uh, him and uh, who's the other doofus? Uh, Southside Johnny, like those two guys. They've been in and around Asbury Park just like Springsteen was. So they do get ripped for trying to, you know, cop Springsteen's sound and and whatnot. And it's deserved, I think. Do they do like a one, two? <laughs> do they do that <laughs> stuff? One, two, three, ha! <laughs> Got to bring that back. <laughs> ha! <laughs> we, just, and we laugh at the stupidest shit together, but <laughs> that's part of, of our friendship. Yeah. We just get a kick out of each other's dumb antics. All right. Moving right along. My buddy, Danny Gale, gave us this one. My name is Daniel and I'm a runner. I've been known to take my races rather seriously and therefore I train very hard so I can race very hard. Unfortunately, what that means is I tend to have a lot of anxiety on race day. And if I don't have someone there to calm me down when I show up, then I need to turn to some music in order to do just that. So I'm not looking for a song to get me amped up or to get me in fighting mood. What I need is something to remind me that no matter how much you train, no matter how hard you push, you always need to remember to have fun. And Party Time by Fish is my go-to song. So I'll pull up to the race site, blast Party Time, just the simple three-minute studio version, and force myself to dance in front of my car for the duration of the song so I can be reminded that when you listen to Party Time, anytime is party time, even when you're about to really run hard in the race. Danny Gale, thank you so much for that contribution. It is Fish. Song Party Time. So this is Fish, right? This is Fish right here, my friend. Are, are you going to play the whole song? Am I going to sleep here tonight? SVT. <laughs> like he said, it's the studio version. It's the three-minute studio version. I wonder how Fish feels about that. Like having their song massacred to only three minutes. <laughs> Yeah, you and I, I think we connect on a lot of things musically. Some things we don't, obviously, like Eddie and the Cruisers. But this, <laughs> <laughs> but this we do in that um, you and I, I think, fall into the bucket of those that don't get fish, quote unquote, get I, them. I have a problem. I'll use that term loosely, but I'll say problem. The problem with bands like the, the Fish and the Dead that you have to be like stoned to appreciate, you know, like yeah, I, I which just, Danny, my, my buddy problem. Danny Gale, who nominated this, I wouldn't put him in that category at all. Okay, and yeah. this it's fine. Like I know people who are close to me who like are really like deadheads and like 
you know, the, the, the fish have like a name for the following, whatever, but yeah, um, fish farts, fish food or whatever they want to call themselves. Yeah. You know, so like you do you, but like, yeah, just speaking to me personally, like, yeah, it doesn't really, doesn't resonate. I'm sure if I was, but they look like they have a blast. Absolutely. I feel like I, I feel angry. I'm missing out on what they're enjoying. I mean, they just played an AC this weekend at what looked to be like a COVID super spreader event of <laughs> people piled on top of yes. each other for miles. Yeah. I, I know Danny was there, but he hung way in the back on the beach, I, I, you know, to his credit. But uh, Danny did say, hey, if you want to get into fish, he did recommend to me. I said, how do, we, how do we do it? What's our entry point for fish? Yeah. He said, get the studio albums, the last two studio albums, try to latch on to those. And but you know they do the New Year's Eve shows, the Halloween shows. They do some epic covers. They do a lot of like Prince and and just really eclectic stuff musically. It looks like such a good time, but like my heart is not there. I don't feel like I'm into fish, and I feel like I'm missing out. I know. I was um, <laughs> speaking of fish. I took a like a van ride to a local winery last weekend, and I was asked to make a playlist. Right. Nice. Because that's what I do. You know, I friggin' host a podcast called The Perfect Playlist. Like, Joe, you're responsible for that. So I said, sure, I'll do that. And I was putting this together and I I was like, there's a deadhead that was going to be in the van with us, mm-hmm. my cousin-in-law. Uh, actually, the Af- uh, Natalie, who gave, who's going to be, be featured later, her husband. He's a tattoos and everything. So I said, I should probably put a Grateful Dead song in this playlist. Looking through their body of work and I'm like, I have all these like, you know, big upbeat, you know, like catchy songs or whatever, you know, like uh, poppy songs. So I put, I put a touch of gray on the playlist. That's a mistake for a deadhead. So I put it on, but like, and looked right at him when it came on and he kind of like shook his head. I'm like, dude, I put this on just to piss you (laughs) off because I know this song pisses off deadheads, but it's a great song. But also like, what the fuck, what am I going to put on? Like trucking or box of rain? Like, what am I going to put on a playlist that's for a bunch of people going to hang out in a winery? Yeah. Casey Jones. I guess Casey Jones, but there's also like, they're tired of that. And and also like the EQ is like a little like old, like dead stuff. Like EQ. So it doesn't really match. It doesn't match what everything else. And the only song that really would, that fits is a touch of gray. So sorry. I, as much as I did it to piss him off, I also apologize to him afterwards. So Danny Gale is, is one of the most positive people I've ever met in my life. He is a former band member of mine. We were in the same college band together. And so Danny would write our set lists and Danny put on our set lists, multiple fish songs because he was such a fan. And so was another guy in the band. And so one night we were playing one of those fish songs called sample and char. And we were at this little dingy club, local local bar. But then I see this girl kind of looking at me. And then after the after we get off stage, I'm like 19 years old at the time. After we get off stage, she comes up to me and she says, "Oh, I just wanted to thank you so much for playing that that fish song, Sample in a Jar." Um, you know, it just, I really felt that when you guys played that and they're, they're such my favorite band. I was like, did she show you where she felt it? (laughs) And I said, oh, you know, like every time I I put that on our set list. Oh, you took a credit for (laughs) it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I said, I put that on our set list. I love just playing that and looking out to the crowd, seeing everybody (laughs) hopping along with that, this or that. And she's like, oh God. She goes, you know what? Come here. And she just lays one on me right there and I'm like yes 
I love fish. Fish is great. <laughs> so you have a good memory associated. I have with a great fish. one. It was a, it was an amazing moment for nineteen year old me. It was a crazy moment for me, and so I took all the credit for putting fish into the band set lists and. Thank you, Danny Gale, for, for making that moment for me happen. So, so the big question is, what lasted longer, the moment or the fish song? <laughs> I imagine the fish song, right? Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, those those 25-minute uh, jams or whatever, but yeah. Yeah, thank you, Danny, for the contribution there and for that contribution 20 years ago to help me make out in a club with a girl who thought I was a fish fan. Okay, moving on to... A contribution from someone I haven't made out with yet. Uh, that is Natalie. So one of my go-to songs that gets me amped up is Dance Yourself Clean by LCD Sound System. Aside from being obsessed with the band, um, you know, I love how considerate they are and that they know their audience with that signature extended intro. It gives you just enough time to finish your drink, find your friends, and be ready to rage at three minutes once that bass kicks in. Ugh, it's so good. I feel that, Natalie. I like it. I like the Nintendo vibes I'm getting from this song. It's very cool. Natalie, I appreciate the fact that she stepped away from her children, even though... Um, my lovely niece has still managed to get some words in at the end there. Yeah, but um, made it that much cuter. Yeah, but I like the, the the vocal there in like before the bass kicks in is like a little like Daniel Johnston kind of like a this odd offbeat kind of distant type of vocal. Yeah, but you know she kind of for an electric band, electronic very, band, very much so. Yeah, yeah, it's got like this indie feel to it. But you know she nails it in that like there's this long extended like three minute and three second intro or whatever, which is great if you're at like let's say a music festival. I know you have certain feelings, JD, about music festivals. Mm -hmm. So I do. How do you feel about them? Tell our audience. Um, I yeah I'm I'm very hesitant at this point to go back to a music festival again. I did it once or twice. And I'm kind of good. It's just a long day. I don't really have the stamina at the age of 45 to put up with that anymore. You know, the people bumping into you, the you got to go here to see this band, there to see that band. It's like I'm kind of over that whole experience. Though, I love the economy of it where the economy of your time, you see like so many good bands <laughs> yeah. in such a sh one day or over a certain amount of hours. Uh, that to me excites me. No, I bring that up because a because I know that that's a thing you have kind of strong feelings on, but also that Natalie's like a big festival person. Okay, it's kind of harder for her now. She has two small children, but uh, big, uh, you know, Coachella. She's been a few times. She's been mm -hmm. out things in California, right? And it really got me thinking about kind of the way you navigate your day when you go to music festival. If you've never been, it can be difficult. Um, whether you're like in your 40s like us or even if you're in your 20s or 30s because you don't have like the comforts of home. Sometimes you're waiting like an hour and a half, two, three hours for the next band you're interested in to come on. If it's a hot day, that also sucks. You got to freaking spend money on food and drinks the entire day. Yeah. And also if you go with somebody to that show, I don't know if you're anything like me, like I get social anxiety. You better go with somebody you're damn comfortable with because <laughs> you're going to have to make conversation for like fucking 12 hours. It's like a, it's like a social marathon going to one of these things. But the economy of it's great. 
You know, I went yes. to see like freaking like Casey Musgrave, Florence and the Machine, the nineteen the nineteen seventy five, couple other acts for like one hundred fifty bucks three years ago. It's a good you know, bang for your great. buck. You can't really beat that. Yeah. Except when Florence and the Machine goes on, you have loud drunk people talking in your ear, <laughs> or bum rushing you. You know, trying to bum rush the stage, bumping yeah. into you, kind of thing. It gets a little annoying. But LCD Sound System, I do know, I don't know much about them, but I know like the main driver is the the front man, if you will, if you want to call him a front man, James Murphy. Um, is that a taunt at James Murphy? Well, if you yeah, want to call him a front man. No, just more of like a collective. I don't know how to put it, but yeah, yeah that's fine. Um, now, he said that this track is two different kind of songs deliberately, you know, so I love that, that Natalie called it out. There's a part one and part two, but he didn't want to split them up into two different songs because he felt that was pretentious. So he made it into one and took the tactic that Natalie said and enabled everyone to kind of get their bearings first. Then go into the second half of the song, get pumped up, and party with them. Yeah, no, I agree. And Natalie's my co- is my cousin in law. Love Natalie. Love that she contributed to. The- um, and I know that she is, a, you know, worked in the music industry for a long time. Has met like freaking Paul McCartney, Dave Matthews, um, you know, a bunch of other Justin Timberlake, a bunch of other acts that she's worked with, right? Smoking Popes. So, you know, what we're talking about, only the big stars, you know. Don't be dissing on my Smoking Popes. I'm teasing. Just in case Josh is listening. Yeah. You never know if he's listening. But, um, but yeah, you know, this is the type of music I don't normally listen to. I know yeah. I know their track, Daft Punk is playing in my house, which... That's on a lot of playlists of mine. fan-freaking-tastic yeah. song. This is a little, like, off the beaten path for me, mm-hmm. but I enjoy it. I'm glad that all listeners and, and family members and friends are bringing songs to us that we haven't heard before. And I would, I would classify this as like dance rock. Yeah. It's got a rock element and a dance element, which not too many people do combine. Um, but it has that feeling to it. And I think it's also good to work out to as well. They they did a partnership in the aughts with Nike. LCD Sound, Sound System did. And it makes sense to me. You can definitely see yourself running, working out to this, doing various things. I will say when I first, when she told me about the song and I listened to the first few minutes, I thought, are you sure about that, Natalie? You know, what you talking about, Willis? Right. But yeah, as it went on, I said, yeah, it does. It builds well. And that's the structure of, of, of a dynamic song and a song that gets your juices flowing. Yeah. I mean, we tend to be a little bit more pop heavy or pop culture heavy on this show. LCD system is very much on the fringe of that. Very much. Um, is it coming back in, by the way? I feel like it keeps like going down and then coming back in in the mix. Here, I'll bring it back up. It's back again. This song is really long. This song's like nine minutes, I think, right? Yeah, looking at looking at almost nine. So we're, we wow, we talked about LCD system for a long ass time, dude. We accomplished something. Today. <laughs> if nothing else, we did that. All right, so that's it for them. We want to kind of highlight our choices, Depro. We want to go through some songs that get us going and we'll talk about those various reasons but you know obviously we're crowdsourcing for this episode we went ahead and crowdsourced two people that we actually live with our dogs <laughs> <laughs> no we we crowdsourced to our very wives right and i, I like both selections that we got so the song that we're going to play this is the song that like will get my wife up out of her chair not that she's ever really sitting for very long but like this is the song that does it for her. It gets her going, that makes her motivated to do anything. Oh, yeah. Queen of the Night by Whitney Houston from the damn Boomerang soundtrack. The Bodyguard soundtrack? Yeah. 
It's from the Bodyguard soundtrack. Right. It gets lost in the mix with I Will Always Love You and Run to You and I Have Nothing and all that. But wow. Yeah. This is in the soundtrack. Yeah, I remember this song. For Some some part of my brain remembers this song, but I can't tell you from where, but I, I definitely some remember hearing it. Some of your better dreams, probably. Right? <laughs> yeah. Some of my dreams about your wife, yeah. dude, bro. Oh, I backed up into that one, didn't I? <laughs> so she literally... Speaking of motivation, like tangible evidence that this works, she played this song before a job interview at one point because she was at a conference years ago and they asked her like, what's your song? What song gets you going? Oh yeah. The theme of the podcast. And mm -hmm. she's like, that's the song, right? So then a couple of years down the road, she played this before an interview and nailed the damn interview. Cool. Who could feel like unconfident when they hear this song? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I like the whole women empowerment thing going on here. It's pretty cool. And I never saw The Bodyguard. Did you actually see the movie? Like many times, yeah. Many times, many yeah. Times. Okay. Like an embarrassing amount of times. No, it's okay. I had it on cassette. It was a movie I watched with like my mom and sister a lot growing up. Yeah, I turned teenage years, so I was like too cool for this kind of thing when I uh, hit this age. I but always wanted Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston to, uh, to make it work. Anyway. Yeah? No, spoiler alert there, but... Didn't really work for him in the end. No, not in the movie. He dies. Is that what happens? I don't care about spoilers. Nobody, for, for nobody, nobody technically dies, but they. I think they realize that they couldn't be together because he was so he was so focused on the job of protecting her that he couldn't really love her like she deserved to be loved. So he got friend zoned. He got friend zoned by the movie. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I actually think it was kind of a mutual decision. Really? But that's that's Kevin's that's Kevin's perspective. It was a mutual decision. Hmm. Feels like a friend zone to me. That was around the time, by the way, speaking of Kevin, when he had like the short buzz cut. Oh, yeah. And I was accused of copying his look. I'm like, dude, I've been doing the buzz cut, like the short hair thing since I was a little kid because I have a horrible hair. <laughs> but yeah, man, Whitney, Whitney, like we talked about this, like Whitney, I feel like appears or is mentioned on every one of our podcasts. Yeah. It's either Whitney or Janet Jackson. Like we're big into like R and like, you know, R&B stars of the 80s and 90s on this podcast. All right, so that's that one, Queen of the Night. My wife is, fun fact, my wife is a dance teacher, uh, owns and operates her own studio, does choreography. And so the, the song that gets her going is this one. It is Britney's, one of her last hits, I would think, one of her later hits. Yeah. It's called Work Bitch. You wanna. Oh, here she comes. Are you ready? You wanna. Ooh, I'm not ready for that. I'm not. Definitely not. Yes. I like the way you want a what? Bugatti. Maserati. See, I don't have a problem with Britney doing the whole British affect to her voice. The British, I mean, because Lady Gaga, Madonna, they already set the precedent for that and pop for me. Yeah. Uh, so I don't mind it there. I actually find it rather funny and entertaining. But it sounds like a character that she's playing here. This song is definitely a hard-hitting smasher of a song. Um, you know, with Britney kind of commanding you as like a as like a wannabe of sorts, just to like go out and get it, work for what you're doing, keep working it with a big ass bass behind her. Um, big, big song in the club still to this day. I actually saw uh, a little story on Instagram the other day of just 
some one of these like post COVID clubs going, and this song was going nuts. Everybody yeah, was going wild. Just goes to show when I stopped going to any clubs was many years before this song became a single. So I was not even familiar with this track or vaguely before you told me about it that it was a song for her. So you know, I know that she's a dance instructor, but is this like a song that she plays for her students? That would be kind of that would be a kind of out there, wouldn't it, JJ? Uh, yeah, I don't know that this one really makes right, the dance kids. recitals. <laughs> I just imagine sitting in that audience and watching my daughter dance at this song. Daddy, yeah, you, can you play work? Alexa, please play work, bitch. <laughs> by, by Britney Spears. And the thing, you know, with her whole like work bitch thing, she said she doesn't call everyone bitch. This is these are Britney's words, by the way. She'll just use it as quote, it's in like respect to the gays as a term of endearment. Like street slang for everyone, you know, like you get to work, that's what you do when you go to work, and it's like cool. Come on. You can work with that quote, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I do know people in the in in the gay community who use that term almost like affectionately. Yeah, like you better work, right? Yeah, Little RuPaul. I, mean, ben, I don't know. I but but then it's a part of me that's like, no. Like when I was a kid, it was like the seven dirty words. Like you know, bitch was one of them. You couldn't say that. You know, it was a it was a derogatory word to call a woman. Mm. You know. Oh yeah. Um, but I do whisper it into my dog's ear sometimes. And yeah, say, bitch. You want a bitch, don't you? No, I'm like <laughs> you want a you want a good juicy bitch don't you and you're not getting one <laughs> right because i cut your balls off right but you're just raring to f aren't you little buddy <laughs> and then he fucks my pillows it's a whole <laughs> thing we gotta wash them good thing we got the detachable cushions it was a, it's a whole thing man <laughs> having a dog your cat's just sitting over here minding minding yeah. her own business my cat's great humping nothing nope not a humper but i do like this track i mean I definitely have to be like in a certain like like all the stars have to align for me to listen to this song. Mm. I have to be like at least half drunk and wearing leather. Yeah, wearing leather, having a ball gag in my mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this song was released in 2013, as I mentioned, one of Britney's later hits, if not her final hit uh, on the radio. But believe it or not, the producer on this and writer Will I Am. Really? Oh, now it makes sense. Right? Yeah. Makes perfect sense that it would be. I don't know that it does because... For me, it does. He's a guy who a couple of years before this was failing, right? And so with this, he's back on the map with a hit. It's just kind of interesting in that regard. But he also wrote Boom Boom Pow, right? I mean, it kind of fits into that wheelhouse for me. Yeah, it's an insult to this song, but I'll take it. No, it's Noted. like it's in that stadium. You know, like when you said that, it made sense to me. Okay. Like it wasn't a surprise. If you told me like Rick Rubin had worked on it, <laughs> right. you know, or like Paul McCartney did bass on this song, like I'd be like pretty stunned. All right. So this intro probably sounds a little familiar to you in the sense that it sounds a lot like our intro. Guy walks out to his car, puts <laughs> it, on the radio. It does. It's not the same though. It's not at all. But this is the kind of stuff that pumps me up. I'm the type where Danny Gale mentioned earlier, he doesn't need to like punch the wall or whatever to get going. But unfortunately, I'm the type of guy where I need like a ball to the wall, hard rock, metal, or heavy rap song to get going. And this song fits the bill for me. This is the lead track off of Queens of the Stone Age's Songs for the Deaf. I'll turn it up a little to get it going. But also featured in CKY, Van Margera's video series. 
And this was their signature sound. Yeah, this is it. This guitar is dirty. It's going to slap you in the face right now. So Deep Row, that's what I need. I don't give a shit what he's saying. I'm ready to get going. I'm. This song pumps me up every time. Yeah, I, th- I think you're, you're going to see, as usual, similarities between you and I, JD, because my selection kind of has that same type of theme, a, a, a little bit of a different feel, but the lyrical content is secondary, and I'll say that until the cows come home, mm. because it really is about a feel, and that's what really has like this chemical connection with your brain, like this scientific connection that's made. Yeah. And um, he could be singing about like his taxes, and we'd be fine. We're cool. It still motivates you to, to do what you got to do. Yeah, and we talked about some of the abstract lyrics of other Queens of the Stone Age songs in, in the past in this show, but I don't give a shit. Like, it's just, this song is a feeling to me. And so, <laughs> back in high school, I used to actually get pumped up before things. I, I started wrestling my freshman year, so as a 14-year-old, a 112-pound 14-year-old, I would put on uh, Cypress Hills how I could just kill a man before every wrestling match. <laughs> Did you like walk to the to the to the ring or to the mat with that song? Oh playing? man, that would have been great. A little hundred twelve pound and a with in the boom box over your shoulder. The you know the nut hugger singlet on, <laughs> and then you get knocked. You just get punched in the face. Oh, dude, know. my freshman year I was terrible. I was like, I was like five and fifteen or something. <laughs> oh, I my could record. just kill a man. <laughs> it's your song. <laughs> That's amazing, dude. Oh man, that yeah. was my song. That was my track. I love, just back to Queens of the Stone Age here, because I don't want to imagine you in a singlet anymore. Oh, come on. But, we, you know, we saw them a few years ago, and it was like one of those occasions where, like, the sound kind of ruined the show for us. Yeah, it definitely did. it just was not mixed well, and, and the way that, like, you know, Josh the layout boards were, yeah. were uh, you know, his, um, his pedals were hooked up to the, to the sound and everything. They were great. mixing the sound for an arena, and we were not in an arena. We were in a theater. And yeah. it was, Although it was, Royal Blood sounded great, loud, but great. Yeah. Yeah, dude, Queens of the Stone Age are, like, one of my favorite newer, I say newer band, like, in the past decade that I've gotten into. That's like cool. Just gotten all their albums, listened to them, like, like, hearing that track, I understand why some of their hardcore fans weren't happy with the more recent Villains album. Mm-hmm. You know, because this is, like, that's heavy. Like, what you just played is, like, really, really heavy stuff. Yeah, and the guy, the bassist, I think, who was singing on that song is gone, long gone, you know, like, almost... 18 years gone so like they're you know they're evolving and changing but yeah yeah but they have this like this groove right mm-hmm. and, desert um, rock, they call and it. like it, it they call it desert which i'm not really sure what that means but yes you're right that's yeah. what they call stoner it. rock desert rock it's two two genres and it like stays in this one like groove yeah and it just keeps pounding and pounding yeah and thrusting into you JD. <laughs> misfit love is another one of their tracks that has a similar feel and i'm like yeah. the first time i heard it i'm like my god are they gonna go into this I'm like no i actually kind of like this now like right. you just like after a while you just become accustomed to it and it starts to it starts you fit into this groove pocket it's, it's yes. really cool in the pocket is a good way to put it so jd off their second album versus this is the lead track from one of my favorite bands of my youth, Pearl Jam. You can say what you want about you know what other people have said about Pearl Jam. They got soft over time. This just shows that if they wanted to just punch you in the face, they could. They could absolutely do that. So just imagine me as like a 13, 14-year-old kid 
with his Walkman on, not a care in the world, walking into school on a fucking mission with this song playing as my backdrop. I felt like I could knock out any dude in that school when this song came on. It and just what, did what was your me. mission as a as a 13-year-old? It was to get like a B minus, probably. <laughs> like just like just just skate by. But here it comes right here, it starts to kick in. Yes. I do remember this well. And this is a lead track off lead this track. album. Lead right? track, yeah. yeah. Um Yeah, I remember picking up this album being like, oh my God, like Pearl Jam's here to stay. Like this was when I heard this song, I thought officially, like, okay, Pearl Jam is one of my favorite bands because they followed up ten. And with this, yeah. and I am very happy with this. Yeah, and they went even harder with it. Yeah. Right. And, and I actually looked at the lyrics for the first time. Ever, like I just like sang wow. my thought. Like yeah, the same. Were. I've, I've never actually looked these lyrics up. Like he just said, like turn to my nemesis, and I always thought it was turn to my nurses. I thought Eddie was like in a hospital when he was yeah. like turn to my nemesis. <laughs> but he has all these random words, like right here that he's shouting, like suck, sus, suck, sus, suck. At least according to Google, okay. Like he has all these random words he's saying. He says like time suck, tuck. Time. See. Like, is this like, is this, <laughs> I, do you have like a vocabulary test you're studying for? Like, what's going on, Eddie? <laughs> got a weird tick going. Yeah. That but is weird. This leads off the album. It goes into the song Animal, which is another track that, yeah. that was like a fairly, you know, it was a decent driving. hit for them. Yeah, driving, driving hit. Yeah, Rock. so great yeah. one-two punch. One of the great, for me, one of the great one-two punches to lead off an album ever. Just fantastic stuff. I think that's a fair call right there. Uh, yeah, exactly. To my little brain, this was everything. And this is the Pearl Jam I wanted, which as this album went on and as the band went on, we didn't get anymore. Yeah, I mean, this um, is also the album with like elderly, elderly woman behind the counter in a small town. That's my so point. They, so they started to yeah. make that shift, which I think they were good at. You know, it disappointed a lot of their older fans. But I wanted, I wanted a sound. I wanted rock. Yeah. You know, I wanted um, maybe not this raucous as this song is. You know, uh, but along those lines, I. I yeah, I, I think wanted, that's fair. Yeah. yeah, that's what I wanted Pearl Jam to be, and I think. As an adult, I realized that I never really reconciled the fact that what I wanted them to be and what they were uh, weren't lining up. So I was kind of like spiteful about that. Yeah. As and a you teenager. move on, right? I mean, like we all yeah. do. Yep. We move on. But this ending, can, you got to put this up. And I, I need to hear a little bit of this piece. Fuck yeah. I would go berserk in this before. That's cool. Very cool. Cool, cool way to end a song. Strings in there. All right there, Pearl Jam. I mean, that was... that. What gave happened me, to you? That gave me like a mental orgasm as a kid. I could see that. Yeah, but then I had nowhere to go with that energy. I wasn't going to go fight anybody. <laughs> I wasn't going to go like fucking set the world on fire. Right. Gonna I was go just going to go like freaking stare at some girl in my like... like Freshman year class, yeah, and then do go home nothing. And masturbate do like nothing a, about it, like a creep. <laughs> but right. yeah, I mean that's that's what does it for me. There's there's but there's other songs, JD, that do it for me also. We haven't talked about this. It's kind of hidden in the shadows of my mind, but it's something you should know. Is another song that does it for me. It's Natasha Bedenfield, unwritten. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Are you kidding me, bro? Oh, I'm not kidding. It it, it does it for me. This song pumps you up. It gets me motivated 
to do well in life. Life. In life. Yeah. Not like crocheting or make scrapbooking. Did you have your, life? Have you heard the words to the song? I actually have. Pretty inspiring. Lot. I was DJing at the time and I played this song like on the regular. It was in heavy rotation. I say you're biased against it already. I can tell. <sighs> I know this song. Staring at the, at blank, the blank page, page before, before you. you. Yeah, I do know this song word for word, unfortunately. Surprisingly. It's a, it's a song about opportunity that lays before you. And as cheesy as the song gets in parts, I get energized by Miss Benfield and her candor. Here you go, Deep Pro. Big moment. No one else can feel it for you. You can let it in. No one else. No one else can see the words on your lips. Today is where your book begins. The rest is still unwritten. So, what do you do with this? You play this, and then what happens? I mean, in all serious, bit aside, singing this song aside, what do you do with this song? I'm fascinated. Actually, actually, I I think I think I really take it literally about like the like today's where your book begins. Like the rest is still unwritten. Like I'm a writer at heart, right? Oh, I kind of it's kind of been dormant, but when I hear this, I think. You can write that the great American novel, or you can write that children's book you've always wanted to write. You know? Right, and and like, I'm really a cornball at heart. So this is the type of song that, like, yeah, like, is it a song I'm going to play when I'm going to the gym? No, but is it a song that, like, when I feel like having a shitty day, I'm like, it's like that very small reminder that like shit ain't so bad. Like tomorrow can be a new day, as cliche as it sounds. I see you sitting there laughing at me. Like I just <laughs> I just see like you holding you pinching in the laughter. <laughs> this is the goofiest conversation we've ever had. And that's saying something. <laughs> yeah. You know, but like hey the choir vocals that that are that appear here in the in, in the chorus. Um oh the music man laying it on us right now. There's feelings of hope that you're staring at a blank page, you can start on your next goal, you can lose weight, you can write a song, you can take a dump on that paper and toss it on your neighbor's porch for all you care. (laughs) But just do what you want to do. The rest is still unwritten, Jaden. Okay, man. That is... Wow. You could have given me 500 guesses as to what your final song on this playlist was going to be, and this song would not be one of them. Let's see, so, that's I like to surprise you. As you mad surpri- respect. As you like to surprise me once in a while. Yes. I like to surprise you as well. Usually with Weird Al, not Natasha Bedingfield, but that's okay. <laughs> but I mean, you gotta think about like here are some of the things that like this song encourages me to do. Mm-hmm. Be more active. Instead of walking to the pantry for a snack, jog instead. Jog to the pantry, yes. If I start watching a Netflix show, have the common decency to finish it. Oh yeah. Stop drinking alcohol I know will give me a hangover. Okay. Learn from your mistakes, Deep Pro. Look at you. Wow. All because of Natasha Bedenfield. Yes. And COVID. Doing- you know what? Remember her brother, Daniel Bedenfield? He had like that one hit. If you're not the one, then why to picture you as my wife? No. You remember that track? Oh, you got to pull it up, man. You're going to hear it and immediately slap yourself in the face. Daniel Bedingfield. If you're not the one. Hmm. I mean, that can be our new song of inspiration, JD. If you're not the one, then why does Oh God. So this is her brother? Yeah. I'm like ninety nine percent sure it's her brother. If you're not the one, then why does my hand fit yours? I mean, how much ass did he get from this track? 
Depends which gender. But <laughs> I mean, either way, you probably got it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, sisters Natasha and Nicola. Yeah. Okay. Poor Nicola. She didn't have a hit single. I don't think. <laughs> Interesting, man. Wow. Okay. What a song to play us out. I did not know we were going to go in this direction. All right. Yeah, we're we're good. But so. hey, we roll with the punches here on the Perfect Playlist Pod. So, all right. Thank you so much for joining us on the pump up, or now it's turning into a pump off playlist. <laughs> you know what? If this does it for you, that does it for you. Hopefully, it got you and your friends to listen. We're in the process of planning a live show, GD. I'm not sure when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. So be on the lookout for that. I wanted to do it on LinkedIn Live, and JD said, no, it's for professional stuff. LinkedIn. Yeah. We're going to go on LinkedIn and so do a podcast. Be on the lookout for when that's going to happen on Instagram or Twitter or any ideas you have for future episodes. Till next time, play the songs that motivate you. And remember, today, it's where your book begins. The rest is still unwritten. So, you know, get on that shit. <laughs> <laughs> we love you all. Goodbye. Bye.